More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Success is a progression. Healthy boundaries, healthy business. By encouraging family business members to establish boundaries, Katerina Andriou helps them balance their many roles to build in strength. As a psychologist, she knows that many business issues are people issues, and while some problems are best approached structurally, other issues require a more iterative approach, one that emphasizes emotional intelligence. We sat down with Katerina Andrew to discuss objectivity, emotionality, and whether technology is changing the balance in family businesses. Enjoy this episode with Katerina. We're here to talk about boundaries, and I think maybe it's important to first assess why or whether we should even talk separately about family businesses than non-family businesses and why when it comes to setting boundaries for the individual and the collective. Can you tell us a little bit more about like, you know, where do you see an added degree of difficulty for the family business when it comes to the boundaries discussion? If we take blood relationships out of it and we think about the fact that we will all inevitably spend about a third of our lifetime at work. So the relationships to our employers and our colleagues, you know, will go in in sort of fits and spurts, but hopefully in a healthy environment, you will develop very close relationships and you will live through very key milestones in life when you become a parent, when you get married Mm -hmm. and your colleagues will share some of that. Yes. So boundaries are an issue always in the end at work, but we're kind of easily bound by professional conduct and ethics and titles and the fact that these are people that we may not necessarily see outside of work hours. But Mm. if you take all that and then you remember that potentially the boss is your dad or you're working alongside your husband or your wife and you've had a really bad night the night before, you've got to somehow navigate those issues. And I think in business, to be able to successfully lead the business, to be able to successfully employ people and create non-toxic workplaces. Yes. Managing those boundaries is essential because it will have an effect on everybody mm-hmm. that comes into contact with it. Because like a family unit, everything is, is inevitably connected for the organization to run well. Mm-hmm. So everybody's aware of everybody's blood relationships. Everybody's aware that after hours you're going to go home together potentially. So mm-hmm. you've got all these sort of pitfalls and really difficult parts of the business that have to be streamlined and effectively managed for the comfort of the employees and for your own sanity. Otherwise, it will be almost like you never get off work. And it's good, I think, to uh, immediately bring up the word sanity here because it truly is mm-hmm. something that can drive people, you know, insane. Like it's really yeah. uh, the boundaries not being respected within the family business or boundaries not being set in the right way can lead to serious unhappiness on the part of both family and and destruction, total destruction. I mean, I've seen businesses like that where founders were married, they got divorced and the entire business went through the divorce with them and were divided. I actually know of a company going through it now 
and the business has been divided into two sides. And whoever sided with the wife, those employees have moved to her side of the company and mm. payroll. They've divided payroll to the husband's side, but it's very much an emotional thing. And the employees are totally traumatized yeah. because they're going through this divorce with them. And so this is a typical case, like it's a wonderful example of how boundaries were never set healthily between the business and the family uh, matters, which of course then doesn't protect employees and which it has disastrous consequences. Let's talk about the different types of boundaries first. Like, you know, mm -hmm. let's go a little bit technical yeah. here with you from an HR yeah. perspective. How do you distinguish between healthy, unhealthy boundaries, the boundaries that exist from the organization's point of view and the boundaries that exist from the individual's point of view? What kind of differences do you make? Well, I think in the end, the two sort of marry because they have to mirror each other. Mm -hmm. What you will inevitably follow as an individual has to carry through into the business. Uh -huh. So I think if you're going to do the family business scenario, you have to agree the boundaries before you start. Yes, It has to be something that you divide. And I think getting technical, you start with your job titles, you start with job descriptions. Yes, It doesn't mean because you're, I don't know, father and daughter that you can't write your own job descriptions, that you That's don't true. have distinguishable titles. And really everything about the job descriptions and the titles should be about the division of labor, should be about the division of talents. Mm -hmm. and your relationship by blood to each other ceases during those hours. And likewise, out of hours, as individuals, it has to also cease. So mm -hmm. somehow you have to kind of carry it over into your personal work life for it to work. And you have to say, right, I am your CEO from nine to five, Monday to Friday. We mm -hmm. will go and have family lunches on Sunday where I'm not your CEO. I'm your dad or your mom or whatever. And we will not discuss work or confidential issues to do with the company or colleagues or gossip. You know, you have to have a real dedication to keeping it uh, separate. And yeah. I think that using technical tools like job descriptions, like who is fit for the job, it doesn't mean because you are a family relation that you're necessarily the best person for the job. Clarity. It brings clarity, much needed clarity, as you very rightly point out. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the misunderstandings and the hurt in the family business comes from having the feeling that one's boundaries are not being respected. And I yeah. think this is probably the most frequently encountered situation we have in the family business. So I'm, I'm part of my family business and I feel like another family member or non-family member doesn't respect my boundaries that I think I have clearly communicated, maybe mm -hmm. not, but like, you know, so it, it, it can happen. What is your first piece of advice to a family member who says, like, what is the constructive way to react to your own boundaries not being respected in the family business? Like, and what, what are the, as you call them, tools that you provide, like, you know, uh, family business members in reacting to that kind of a situation? I think they have to be encouraged as, as much as possible to try and not respond emotionally. So I always, you know, tell anybody things are inevitably a little bit more emotional and have overtones of that when it's a family business. Of and course. you will take it more personally because they're a family member and it's not, you know, just an individual. Um, yeah. But I think uh, putting things in writing, keeping things yeah. more clinical and more black and white, yeah. making sure that when you do write that letter or email, you've, you know, left it a few days and then sent it. You haven't done yeah. it in an emotional response. And it hasn't been some knee-jerk reaction so that what should be, you know, a, a good voicing of your concerns comes from a business standpoint and it doesn't come like a hurt letter. 
when we talk about like, you know, the definition of boundaries, mm-hmm. so that conversation around like, you know, how I personally define my boundaries, the family defines the boundaries as a collective with the organization, and then the organization defines the boundaries with its employees. Like, what is the sequence here that's best, Katerine? Like, you know, what do you start with? Do you start with the family's boundaries? Do you start with your own? Like, you know, what is the healthiest place to start off with, especially if you are potentially already in a situation where things have started to escalate? Like, you know, what do you focus on first? I think you have to start, unfortunately, with the trickiest part, which is the family boundaries, Mm -hmm. because I think you have to acknowledge where those issues come from. Mm -hmm before you can even think of sorting out the business side of it. Mm-hmm. So I think in that respect, it's sitting down as a family, assessing the business and where you, how you want to take it, where you want to take it, consideration for everybody involved, and then deciding that once you get to work, you're going to apply these measures, these tools, mm-hmm. to try to keep the boundaries and parameters of respect. Because essentially, mm-hmm. that's what it's about. It's respect and trust. And they're yeah. going to need to be slightly differently managed once at work. But I think yeah. if you have family issues that inevitably you think or are already spilling over into the business, you've got some difficult decisions to make because, you know, with all the best will in the world and great tools and everything else, you know, making the decisions that are best for the business is how you keep centered and focused. Yeah. And that way you can try and keep the family stuff to family time and try and solve some of those issues so that they don't keep coming into the business world of the organization. But I think that it's, you know, it's constantly challenging and it takes a lot of honesty and a lot of transparency. And uh, it does depend on the nature of the issues because, you know, for example, if it is a divorce being played out or things like that, it, it's going to be a lot more complicated. But I think there are lots of tools, keeping locations separate, making sure people have their own offices, departmental parameters that will keep things more, you know, on official lines. It helps. That kind of infrastructure helps, right? Like, and as you said, yeah, I think those tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the thing, the weird thing, of course, in a family that might feel artificial, but actually might be a great way of solving certain issues. I'm interested in your thoughts about what kind of role the leadership style plays in, mm-hmm. um, you know, everyone's ability to be honest about boundaries and speak about boundaries. Like, you know, what have you seen? What is the typical type of leadership where you feel like, you know, that is typically the kind of leadership where we then have issues with boundaries in the family business? I think, uh, I mean, in our culture here, we do have a lot of stereotypes. So Mm -hmm. we do have a kind of alpha male business owner who then has family members under him. It's very, very hierarchical. The Mm -hmm. end decision always stops with him. Other people, family and non-family, don't really have much final say. So this Mm -hmm. kind of traditional, almost tribal leadership uh, usually spells disaster Mm -hmm. when something happens and somebody's boundaries are infringed or Mm -hmm. there's been a personal issue in the family that drops into work because you've always, nobody else has a voice. The power structure is so unfairly balanced. Mm. that it adds to the frustrations of everybody else. And really there are no tools with demarcation that help because it's only ever one decision maker. Mm. And this is what happens. And then you create a bullying culture if you're not careful because everybody under him who isn't happy being under him, family or non-family, then it all starts to get very fragmented. So I think um, that type of almost dictatorship, very uh, 
primeval way of leading. I think like, almost like the older school family structures where it was all yeah. about the, the breadwinner and one provider. Yeah. And uh, I just don't think in today's business world or, or society as a whole that it, it necessarily fits anymore. It doesn't work. No, it definitely doesn't. But what if uh, I, as a next gen, uh, am born mm -hmm. into such a family and I, mm -hmm. I have the task of, as a next generation leader, to take over from that kind of a culture? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm born into it and I, do, I disagree with it, but I'm, I inherit a whole company that has been founded along the very patriarchal or very one-man show sort of lines. Mm -hmm. What can I do? to start having a more healthy conversation as a next gen that takes mm -hmm. over around boundaries and around like the benefits of setting those boundaries? What can I do to sort of start shifting that culture? I think, again, external expertise mm -hmm. is always a great way to shift culture because they will obviously come from a different perspective. They're not an employee necessarily. They're not family yeah. related and they're a lot more unemotional about the business mm -hmm. than you will be because it's your baby. And you, mm -hmm. you, you know, you, that type of profile, that person grew up in that business, hearing about that yeah. business, that business is everybody's lifeblood. And that level of passion, while it's wonderful, can often make it even more difficult and emotionally traumatizing. So I think if you've got an external consultant to do, whether it's an HR audit or you start with an emotional intelligence kit, something to start reassessing the structure of the company. And then you'll have to deal with the fallout with the family and how that works. But you may have to look at employing other outside people to mm -hmm. join the family members in new departments, in new structures. But I think mm -hmm. a lot of the time you need new blood, people yeah. that will understand the, the history of the business, appreciate the commitment and passion that the family have had in getting it this far. But now that the business has been inherited and is moving to a new era, it has to embrace today's business culture and that's with the tech industry booming the way it has with you know there's so much we can take advantage of now with automation and ai and agile environments you know these all also will help even just the tech tools and packages and kits that will come but you need an external i think to be able to administrate it to be able to really help you do it because it's very difficult to be objective for you from your perspective as an expert in your field in hr Where do you feel like your field should develop more expertise, should go deeper, should go further and should go faster now in order mm -hmm. to help family businesses in dealing with a lot of the issues that you just mentioned, which are new mm -hmm. issues now that we have a lot mm -hmm. of technology, et cetera. So a whole yep. host of new problems coming our way now, of course, as well, yep. when from an HR perspective. So tell us, where would you like to see the field go? Like, you know, and where are you mm -hmm. guys at HR Innovate also driving mm -hmm. the conversation mm -hmm. to better mm -hmm. serve families? Going back to technology, I think all the tools that this new era of the tech boom is going to be probably one of the best, most useful tools that somebody in HR and recruitment or this whole sector um, going into family businesses can use. Mm -hmm. I think embracing these tools and if HR itself is to become more agile and more tech oriented, then by using data and metrics, We can approach things from a psychological perspective, so we're not ignoring the emotional. We're not going to leave out emotional intelligence and all the, the interesting parts of family businesses. But by using data and metrics, you can strategize in the company, yes. leaving out some of the destructive part of the emotions. And if yes. the family behind the business, if the people in key position can commit 
to being more data driven mm. in deciding what's next. I think that will go a long way. And I think as HR professionals, we have to always have a mind to the emotional human aspect. But I think the tech boom and its tools and the data and metrics driven way of approaching business these days will help us go a little bit deeper and everybody being a lot less hurt. Yeah. Because it will be numbers driven. It will be data driven, qualitative, quantitative, using tech. So you're not going to be saying, well, he said, and she mm. said, and they reckon after the last 10 years, this is what we should be doing. You're actually not. You're submitting reports yeah. based on analytics, based on your company data. So a fantastic way to make a point without it becoming a battle of egos. Uh, technology as the mediator, definitely a very, very strong, and important point you're making there. Uh, thank you very much, Katerina. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.